All right, Ellen, what's our intro going to be for this one? <laughs> You're just going to throw me into the spotlight like that? Yeah, what's our intro going to be, Ellen? You're like our intro guy. <laughs> I have no intro for us. I have the perfect intro. Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. This episode is Friendship. I've got friends in low places. Are we allowed to talk about whiskey on a Christian podcast? I'm going to go with no <laughs> on that. <laughs> You All right. have gone with, like, you've got a friend in me. <laughs> it didn't come to mind, actually. It's so wholesome. It is. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, thanks for checking out our podcast. This week, we are going to talk about the topic of friendship, specifically friendship inside a marriage. Yeah, and if you stuck with us through the first minute of this, congratulations. I promise it's uphill from here. That is a promise that you don't know if you can keep. Oh, you got me there. <laughs> so uh, let's give you guys a little context for why this came to mind and why Ellen and I had a conversation about it this week, and we thought this would be a great topic to talk about on Imperfect Family. So I'm in seminary and, and currently taking classes in um, uh, preaching. So my preaching professor assigned to us that we need to listen to a few sermons from different pastors and preachers and analyze them and whatnot. And a buddy of mine had listened to a sermon by Tim Keller called Friendship, and he recommended it to me. And so Ellen and I had to do a little bit of road trip the other day, and we listened to it together. And the conversation that came out of that is what is going to be part of this episode. Yeah, yeah, I was going to regurgitate his sermon today. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just I'm just going to preach it actually straight up. <laughs> Quote Tim Keller. Yeah. Um. So. What we'll do, I think, is we'll, for this podcast, is kind of actually briefly go over the main points of his sermon, and then ask some questions of each other based on um, the application part of it being based on for marriage. So husbands with friends, women with friends, or wives with friends, um, and try to come up with a, what we think might be a healthy way to think of friendship inside a marriage. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. I think most of our episodes we try to come to fairly unscripted, um, but we've had some really good conversations since we listened to this sermon the other day, so we're kind of kind of backtrack a little bit and kind of rehab some of the conversations maybe that we've been having throughout the week based on what we listened to. Right. So um, what we'll do is, um, if you guys have time, I would definitely recommend the sermon to you. It's probably only 30 minutes long or so. Yeah, it was pretty short. Um, but it's by Tim Keller, who uh, I don't listen to a whole lot of his sermons, but the ones that I have have been memorable. Um, and so what he does is he is preaching on this topic of friendship, and he starts his sermon by um, presenting a problem. He says, um, we don't fully understand wisdom because wins uh, wisdom can't be understood outside of the bounds of friendship. That was one of the things he said at the beginning of his sermon, remember? Yeah, which immediately like piqued my interest. I'm like, what the heck? is? Where is he going with this? And yeah, 
go ahead keep going right so <laughs> you're on a roll yeah i'm not gonna stop you <laughs> no, it's all good so basically he um he presents his main themes that you are not a wise person unless you are currently working to forge friendships and so pretty much the rest of his sermon breakdown is describing what a friendship is how to discover new friends and how to forge biblical um friendships and uh he basically sets up the problem right away and says, like, our culture is not based around the kind of love that's within a friendship. Um, he basically says, you know, if you're out in the, in the tab, looking at the tabloids as you're checking out at the grocery store, uh, you're not going to see a whole lot of, um, headlines that say, you know, so and so Hollywood star is now best friends with what's her name and they go out and do this together. It's, a different kind of love that is put on the front of magazines. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, he's definitely onto something there because he's right. Like when we're talking about celebrity gossip or even, you know, within our own church, like who's dating who, who's getting married to who, like that's what we want to talk about. Because I think for me at least, like that's a more long-term thing where it's like, oh, well, he's friends with him today, but like, yeah, next week, who's it going to be? I think that was kind of part of the point is like, we need to have these friendships that are long term. It's going to look different than a marriage relationship or, you know, anyone else in your family. But we need to have these friendships that are more long term and not just like a revolving door because no one cares about that at all. Right. And he, and he says, like, that's part of the problem is um, a lot of times we can't form long friendships because of our culture. Um, you know, there's I don't know the statistics, but it used to be that you got a job at the Ford plant and you worked there for 40 years. Um, nowadays, you're switching multiple times in a decade, um, possibly moving. People are more mobile. Um, and so um, forging friendships is a lot more difficult. Uh, just as an aside, he did throw out there that uh, Hollywood doesn't do a good job of making movies about friendship, except for one movie. Do you remember what the movie <laughs> was, Ellen? How did I know that this was going to make it in? I did remember this. It's from Lord of the Rings because I was taking notes for you and I wrote L-O-T-R and you were so impressed that I knew the shortened down version of writing Lord of the Rings. It's possible that I might like Lord of the Rings a little bit. Addict. Uh, hey, I like friendship. Can I say <laughs> Okay, so let's break down his sermon and kind of talk about the the main points, and and then we'll get to the juice of what I think will be helpful for this episode as we think through friendships inside the confines of a marriage. We want to be wise people, like that's that's why we're talking about this. If if we aren't wise because we're not forming and forging good friendships, then we want to make sure that we're pursuing that well and biblically, right? Yeah, definitely. And so the first part that he talked about was just, you know, like you said, what is friendship and how does that relationship differ from a marriage relationship or, you know, a, a relationship with your own parents or really any other relationship? So what does that look like? Um, and the thing that really stuck with me that he was talking about is, you know, within a marriage or other relationships, what you're doing is you are looking inward, like with each other. So like within our marriage, you and I are looking at one another. What does our relationship look like? Um, where in a friendship relationship, he was talking about how you're standing shoulder to shoulder and you have to have a common interest in order for that relationship to flourish. Yeah, it was interesting. This was part of his part where he, part of the part of this, ugh, 
part of the part of the sermon <laughs> where he was talking about discovering friends um, and how you cannot go, you can't form a lasting friendship by going online and saying, you know, my name is Chuck and I'm looking for a friend. Meet me at McDonald's at four o'clock in hope that that'll turn into a lasting friendship. He says long lasting, lifelong friendships come out of nowhere. Suddenly you realize you've bonded over something that you never intended to bond over. There needs to be some sort of unity. And he says what makes these friendships so um, so different than the love that's within a family even is your family will love you with a familial love that they did not opt into. It's, it's by blood. So, you know, I, I love my kids and I will always love my kids, but I actually didn't opt into that. Well, I guess I kind of did, but really, I didn't opt into that relationship where friendship, they've opted into that relationship. And so the friendship love is a kind of love that you will not get anywhere except in the bounds of a friendship. Yeah, I think, so he didn't actually say this, but I think as I was thinking through it, because you're right, we did like opt into, we married one an- one another, we chose to have children. Um, but I think the difference would be like, we can't opt out of that. Where like a friendship, you know, if it's not working out, you don't have that much in common. Like, okay, I'm going to get a new friend. I think that's where the distinction was in my mind of like, because we do choose those family relationships to some degree. um, But like siblings, you don't choose who your siblings are going to be. um, But you do have a relationship with them either way. True. True. Good job. Um. As he was kind of breaking this down, breaking down this part of the sermon, he brought up four points. And this is the part of where he really defines what a friendship relationship looks like. And he, in, in classic pastor form, it was four C's. So it was uh, constancy of friendship, carefulness of friendship, candor in friendship, and counsel in friendship. And then he wrapped it up with this great line, a good friend will always let you in and he'll never let you down. And in my head, I was like thinking that he was going to rickroll us. Remember that song? No. Never going to give you up. <laughs> never going to let you down. <laughs> you always bring up these music references expecting <laughs> me to understand them. And then you're like shocked that I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know music. I'm going to rickroll you at least 12 times this week now. <laughs> <laughs> now I know what that means. Hey, Thanks for catching me check up. Check out this link. All right. So one of the main texts that he was using to, to support um, this, this part of it, the constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel came from Proverbs chapter 27, just a few verses here. So he says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Basically, what he was saying in this part is, that from the book of Proverbs, a good friend is somebody who is going to counsel you and candor you, someone who is going to be careful in how they um, rebuke you. But though it may be a wound, as they say in Proverbs, this is much needed for the human soul. Um, And a lot of times, this is going to come from a friend more powerfully than it is from a family member or even a spouse um, because of the way that the friendship kind of love works out. Yeah, and maybe this is just me being ignorant, but as he was preaching this and we're listening, I didn't know what the word candor meant um, until later in the sermon he used the word candid, and I was like, oh, I know that word. So anyone else who's out there who is on my ignorance level, 
there you go. Now you're caught up to of what he's talking about and what we're talking about because I didn't know. Okay, so <laughs> I totally knew what candor was as he was talking about it. <laughs> I like didn't want to ask you in the middle of the thing. I'm like, he totally knows what it is and I don't and I don't want to ask, but I, got, I figured it out on my own. It later. was like, for me, it was like Keller reaching too hard for another C word to put in there. But anyways. <laughs> All right, so if you stuck with us so far, the reason we wanted to do what we just did is to just set the foundation for how we're going to think about friendship. And so this whole rest of the episode is we're actually taking it straight from those 70 questions that we usually ask at the end of episodes. Piper has a great question about friendship to ask during um, the lead up to a marriage between um, uh, an engaged couple. But Ellen and I just kind of wanted to break it down for each other here and talk through the issues. and. The question is pretty much, what does friendship look like in the bounds of marriage? Um, can the husband have male friends? Can the husband have female friends? Can the wife have female friends? Can the wife have male friends? And so now with that foundation, can we start breaking out those questions a little bit? Yeah, and I think even a step further than that, like not only can we have those relationships, but like should we? Like, what is a healthy level of all of those relationships you just mentioned? Sure. Good. All right. So, well, let me ask you first, Ellen. Do you think it's okay that I have guy friends? I do think it's okay. And I also think that it's necessary and healthy for you to have those friendships. Yeah. And this is such a given question. Like, I don't think anyone listening would be like, well, I'd be surprised if they said no. Um, but there are... <laughs> are a lot of couples out there where they just don't have friends. Like, the husband doesn't have any friends. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a, a person I was growing up with. Like, I don't know if his parents had any friends. Like, at all. Like, it was... and They weren't a part of a church community. They weren't... Um, they weren't in any other kind of group. It was just them. Uh, they didn't really have friends. And those... That because of that, their marriage was impacted and it impacted my friend in his life. So it's not totally a given question um, because the second part of it, should we have, should a husband have male friends? The answer is yes. Yeah. Let me maybe be more specific in my answer then because yes, I do think you should have male friends. I think it's good and it's healthy and it's necessary. That being said though, I'm not saying like go out and have a hundred friends and have this really full social calendar to the point where like you're not home with me and with the kids and you're constantly out. What I mean is you have one, two, three really good close friends who know you well um, and who are going to speak truth to you in different areas of your life. So that could look different ways. It might be an accountability partner. It might just be the couple of guys who are in your small group. Um or just, you know, a really good friend from work, whatever it is. But I do think it's healthy to have just a small group of guys who you are regularly spending time with who are speaking truth to you. Yeah. And this goes back to, you know, like the constancy of friendship that Keller talks about. Um, you can't have a constant friendship with probably more than four or five guys, maybe even less. That sounds like such a high number to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It, it probably is, depending on what your schedule is and, and what your life looks like. Um, you know, having someone in your life that has the level of friendship that the Bible is talking about. Like, think about the relationship between David and Jonathan. Like, I think this is just such a good relationship of male friendship. I mean, they're, 
they're like brothers, but even closer than brothers, um, bound by this friendship love between each other. In fact, Jonathan is breaking the familial bonds of love by helping David escape from his own father. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so anyways, all right. So back to this, this kind of constancy idea. Um, should, uh, should a husband have male friends? I think biblically it's completely necessary. And so, um, you know, like one to two guys in your life, like is iron sharpens iron, right? Um, you know, even in this passage that I just read, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Earnest counsel isn't going to come drinking a few soda pops and <laughs> watching the football game. Like this is going to be one-on-one, two-on-one uh, relationships. Yeah, I think what was helpful for me in this sermon that we listened to, to like really distinguish which friendships we're talking about, um, he was just saying that these close friends that you have, one or two or however many it is, you are not emotionally thriving if your friend is not emotionally thriving. Like that's a deep relationship. So like if my friend is having a bad day, like suddenly their burden is heavy on my heart as well. And suddenly my day is going to look different because of what my friend is going through. Or on mm-hmm. the flip side, if they're going through a joyful time, like we're celebrating that with them and like I can't help but feel that joy with them. Um, and I think maybe as a woman, that's an easier one for me to like emotionally attach myself to other people. I don't know how that is for you. Um, but when he when he was breaking that down, that was so helpful for me of like, okay, I don't have the emotional capacity to feel that deeply for more than one or two people. Sure. In addition to my family. Right, right, right. Um, I tend to be an empathetic person anyway. And so feeling people's emotions is somewhat natural for me, but like I don't have it in me to feel it for every one of my friends. And so I really have to be careful of like, who am I actually putting in my close circle of like, we're feeling this together, we're celebrating this together, we're grieving this together. Um, and those are going to be my close, close friendships. Definitely. Um, so I don't think, I mean, we asked the question, is it okay for me to have male friends? I don't, I don't think we would change anything if the question was, is it okay for you to have female friends, right? Would you add or change anything to what we said? No, I don't think so. I think the only maybe distinction is like how you accommodate that for your spouse. So like I said, like, you know, I tend to emotionally connect with people. For me, that means spending time with them. Where for you, like, I think you connect okay, like over the phone or whatever. So I think it's us accommodating that well for one another Hmm. so that those relationships are flourishing. Because I think we, we would agree that they're beneficial for both of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think, I think you're probably right. I, I do like to spend time one-on-one or one-on-two with a few guys. I think that's really great. And I know, I, th- I think for us, like, one of the ways this happens the most is, like, we'll have a couple over and, like, we'll just naturally separate. And, like, we, like, have off. dinner together and then split. <laughs> yeah. You'll go off with the wife and I'll go off with the husband and the kids will switch back and forth between the two of us. Okay, so let's switch then and go to the flip side. Is it appropriate then for you as the man to have these friendships with females or for me to have them with males? It, it's really important, I think, that we just clarify what we mean by friend. This is not somebody who goes to church. Um, 
This is not somebody that is your friend's wife or your friend's husband, um, whatever. Like, um, because I would say I have a lot of female friends then, if that's the definition. But if we're talking about this constancy, counsel, candor, and carefulness, um, no, I think it's a huge, huge downfall and a trap if a husband has a woman who's a friend of that level or if a wife has a male friend of that level. I think I want to just like add the distinction also that like these would probably be relationships that like if you're friends with a female, it's someone who I don't necessarily have a relationship with. Like it's completely separate from us. So it's not even just that it's not a husband and wife that you and I are friends with together, but it's like you're friends with a woman who I don't even have a relationship with. So maybe a coworker or something like that. Sure. And and think about some of the things that Proverbs talk of, talks about with friendship. Like, the more you're in free friendship, the deeper and deeper it's going to get naturally. Even in the passages we just read in um, chapter 26, the one who rebukes, like, it grows the relationship. And in, and in chapter 28, verse 23, he says, Whoever rebukes a man will afterwards find more favor than he who flatters with his own tongue. So imagine if that that relationship was between a man and a woman. You know, we're having difficult conversations and we grow because of it. <sighs> Such a slippery slope there. Definitely. Definitely. So so I guess the question then would be what's the cutoff? Because I do think like I do have female friends. Like your friends I'm friendly with. Sure, but like what would that look like if I were not around or their husband weren't around? What break that down for me? What does that what does that look like that you're friendly with them? Yeah. So on a practical level, like none of those relationships, like none of them would know how my day is going. You know, like none of them would know what's going on in my life outside of what's going on in your life. None of them would know what um I'm dealing with. So think about even that passage, like in order for you to rebuke someone, which is to call them out on something that is not honoring to God. So a rebuke is when you say in love to someone who is also of the faith, hey, what you're doing is not part of God's plan for you. It's not in step with what it means to be faithful and obedient to God. In order to even do that, you have to know that person pretty well for two reasons. One, you have to know what to rebuke them for. So you have to know what they're actually doing that's disobedient. And two, um, there needs to be a level of relationship already built in order to, to say something in love to somebody with courage like that. To do that with, for me to do that with another woman would require a lot of probably one-on-one conversation, time together. Um, yeah, stuff that I don't. I don't think it's healthy for a man to do with a woman. Definitely. I, I mean, the word that popped in my mind as you were talking is intimacy. Like, that's such an intimate conversation sure. of, like, you are getting into, like, the nitty-gritty depths of my heart and my sin struggles. And, like, that's such an intimate place to be that, like we mentioned, only a few people really are in that part. Like, you're in there and then maybe a few friends, but it's not something that you want just anybody stomping in on. So, I think we... We're taking the hardline stance, like uh, no, no friends 
outside of like, I mean, babe, I feel uncomfortable texting people like that are women. Because, like, I don't want to go, I don't even want to get near that line. It's so dangerous. Yeah, definitely. So, like, as an example, um, my two coworkers um, are married to one another. And so there are things that come up for work that, like, I have to text the husband, like, hey, do we have a meeting tomorrow or something? And, like, even in those conversations, I just include her in the text thread just like you said. Like, I don't even want to get close to that line of, like, oh, why is she texting him? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just not a line that I care to even appear to be crossing, even if it is something that's legitimately work-related. Like, we, his wife works with us anyway. Like, why not put her in that group message just yeah. to keep it safe? Yeah, that's definitely awkward. Like, I think Billy Graham and who is the vice? Mike, Mike Pence. Pence. <laughs> yeah, Mike Pence. They were onto something. I mean, we can laugh at those guys and say, you know, they're goofy and they're uh, legalistic or whatever. but. Um, if they really live by the rules that they live by, I think we're. I think there were probably some wisdom to that, to what they were doing. I don't mean to call out people who are, you know, celebrities. Even, you know, um, but there certainly are a lot of people out there who appear to be living a certain way, and then years later it comes out that they have not been living that way, and it, it just unravels for so many people. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's true in, you know, non-celebrity lives as well. But, like, why would I even put myself in a situation where people could question what's going on? I would rather have people laugh at me for being maybe too conservative about this instead of people questioning, like, oh, is she being faithful to her husband? Right. If people are going to talk about me one way or the other, like, I'll tell you what, I'd rather have them have no question about my faithfulness to you then like oh well she sometimes spends alone time with that one guy yeah this is this one thing that i was thinking about with this is like if you have that kind of relationship why why would you have it with someone who's of the opposite gender like what are you trying to get out of that relationship um because the reason we ask that is because um all of these biblical passages have not been mixed gendered they've been him and he, she and her, um, in regards to friendship. The friendship, the love, and the, the needs that we have deep that God has designed us to have, he has designed us to have fulfilled in relationships of the same gender. Like That's the design of friendship that he has put, to, put forward to us in the book of Proverbs. And, and Tim Keller, he never touches on this in his sermon directly, but he does several times direct, uh, indirectly. Yeah, and I will say this, though. So I'm thinking about um, a good, good friends of ours, a, a couple that we spend a lot of time with, and the husband is just a very encouraging person. And I'll tell you, Chuck, like when he compliments me about, you know, accomplishments that I've had or things like that, like it, it's encouraging to me. But if he were to like privately pull me aside and be like, wow, Ellen, I noticed this work that you did, really impressive, you know, that to me would be so uncomfortable. Or on the flip side, if the four of us are spending time together and he gives that compliment to me in front of you, it's such a sweet treasure to me to know that you're getting a glimpse of what other people see in me. And I get to be encouraged in that way. And I'm not saying that like I live for those compliments, but like I think there's something so much sweeter about 
people saying kind things about you in front of your spouse, and they get to treasure that compliment as well. Yeah. That's a really cool perspective. So, all right, well, let's kind of wrap this up. I think, I think we've talked a lot about this. And, and just the reason we wanted to talk through this is because, you know, as we, as we live as, and we fulfill our vision as Imperfect Family, as a podcast, we want to try to think through as many issues as we can biblically and creatively and theologically. That is our vision. And so, like, even when it comes to friendship, like, this is something we want to get right. Like, we want the Bible and we want Christ to impact even our friendships. Um, and we want to do them and figure out how to do them for the glory of our God. So that's why we thought this would be a good uh, episode to have. So, babe, I did pretty much a whole episode on a John Piper question. I hope we can end this with a quote. <laughs> yeah, so I have two pulled up and I've been like scrolling back and forth between them this whole time. I've been talking like, which one am I going to bring up? Um, okay, so the one that I found for us, I'll save the other one for next time. It says, you don't have to wake up before your kids to have a meaningful, quote, quiet time. I, I agree with that. I think, that's, I think that's definitely true. However, I think that there's um, some evidence in the Bible that quiet time is quiet and solitude. So Jesus went away multiple times in his ministry by himself. Um, I'm thinking even we've been going through the book of Mark in the community devotional. At the beginning of Mark, I think even like chapter 1 or chapter 2, Jesus is goes away early in the morning and his disciples can't find him. And Peter comes around and he, it literally in some translations says he's hunting for Jesus um, because he can't find Jesus because Jesus is alone away with the Lord. So if our habit is um, we get up because our kids have woken us up, um, I'm the kind of person that if I don't get at, I don't get at it in the morning, I'm not going to get at it at any point the rest of the day, um, easily. And that's not to say it won't happen, but it's, it's going to have to be something that I'm very active and trying to figure out putting into my day. So I, I don't disagree with the statement. However, that is not, I would not say that's a good rule to live by. How about that? I think. I think this was written by someone who had very young children, like toddlers, newborns. And so I think the point that they're making is more like, hey, if you wake up at 5 a.m. with the intention of like, I'm going to have quiet time before the baby wakes up at 6, but the baby ends up waking up at 5.15, like certainly your obligation then or your responsibility is to take care of the child. That doesn't mean like quiet time is scrapped. I'm not reading the Bible today. It means like, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit distracted, but I'm still going to spend time in the word and with the Lord, despite that my day didn't go the way that it was planned to go. Sure. Yeah. And I think in that way, that, that, that quote can be really encouraging. Like, because I think the opposite is true where a mom or a dad could be just feeling the weight of like, man, I have quiet time, but it's never quiet. I never am away with the Lord. It's like, man, the Lord treasures those times with you, even if little Sally is screaming in your arms, you know, and just wants to be fed or your attention is diverted. The Lord treasures that time with his children. So um, in that way, it can be very encouraging. Yeah, I, I, that's more how I took it was just like, hey, even when life is crazy and you plan things to go a certain way, like time with the Lord is still precious and we should be striving for it regardless of how unplanned our day ends up being. I love it. All right. Well, what are we doing for our next episode? Are we going to keep talking about friendship or? 
<laughs> we could. I could talk about this forever. I'm sure there's plenty of other friendship songs we can think of. <laughs> yeah, that'll be our stipulation. If you can come up with a good song for us, we'll <laughs> continue this conversation. But if you bring more whiskey songs, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to cancel the podcast if there's more whiskey songs. All right. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye, everybody. This podcast is part of Commuter Ministries. For more information about Commuter Ministries, visit us at www.commuterministries.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Commuter Ministries. 